0: Okay, welcome to the Nil-Nil Football Podcast, episode 33. Um, This is going to be another solo episode today, mostly uh, because I ended up falling asleep and now I'm recording this late at night. But anyway, the show will continue. Uh, We got a pretty big episode today, not in terms of length, but in terms of content, really. Um, Let me just start off with the quick action that happened yesterday, So, uh, the League Cup Showcase 2022 ended up happening. That's uh, two matches held at SoFi Stadium here in Los Angeles. And that was between uh, the LA Galaxy versus Chivas. And the second game was LAFC versus America. Now, um, I think many people would agree that the Galaxy game versus Chivas was uh, the more entertaining of the two. I didn't get to watch the first half. Sadly, I did get catch you know, the last 30 minutes of the game, just mostly because I had work at the time. Um, and yeah, so from what I heard, the uh, first half, there was a lot more action going on. And uh, it was a lot more back and forth. Uh, not many teams really defending, but more putting their emphasis on attacking. And uh, Chivas really needed a win, pretty much, since they haven't won all season. But, unfortunately, uh, the Galaxy ended up winning this match 2-0 against Chivas. And uh, Chivas' downward spiral just continues. I mean, so far, not a single win this season. They've, oh, including this one, they've lost two and tied the rest of the games. And I think that's across six games. Or seven games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, but, yeah. From what I saw of the game, Chivas... I mean, they did put a lot of youth players into the match. But... They didn't really have anything going forward. I mean, as far as they could get was the edge of the box. Past that, they lacked a lot of creativity. And not that they didn't have any creative pillars on the field. I mean, they had Isaac Rizuela. They had Alan mozo They had um, Chicote Calderon. But, I mean, even then... I don't think they have enough attacking just prowess in general. I mean, they've always struggled scoring goals. I think the last time they've had any decent goal scoring was when Alan Pulido was there. And that was back in 2017 when they won the title, right? Ever since then, it's just been downhill. And they haven't really been able to replicate any goal scoring form. I know Chivas was most prolific during in 2006 when they had people like Bufo Bautista... Um, and they had Omar Bravo and uh, Medina and, you know, people like that to provide a lot of attacking talent. But Chios hasn't been the same anymore and their academy hasn't really produced a whole lot. I mean, they're struggling really to promote players from their academy. I mean, they right now they're running with Angel Salivar as one of their main strikers who really hasn't done anything decent since that 2017 season that i've mentioned earlier but yeah good win for the galaxy i mean they were starting to hit a slump as well i'm sure this will maybe give them energy towards their next match um which might you know give them a chance to bounce back but uh, in terms of chivas it just really it's going from bad to worse for them i i don't see how they're gonna turn this season around i'm hoping that they get a win but i mean it's not looking likely and They can keep on changing coaches as much as they like, but I think the reality is they just need to invest more in their own academy to start producing a quality talent. But yeah. Um, The next match was LAFC versus America. I did end up watching this game, but honestly, um, if you skip this game, you would have missed nothing. There's absolutely no uh, action going on in this game. I mean, there was a couple of decent attacking plays by both teams. But to be honest, I think LAFC wasn't playing to win at all whatsoever. It just looked like they're trying their best to look decent, but not get injured. So if I had to put a percentage on it, I'd say they're at 75% of their actual effort. I think if this was an actual match, like how the League's Cup showcase will be next year, I think we'll see a lot more from the LAFC side. But honestly, there wasn't a lot of effort. I think all the focus was just on defending, getting the ball back, giving it to Brian to see if he can do anything, but uh, I mean, Brian had... Brian Rodriguez had the same games as usual, where he attempts to just run straight into the player, and I think he ended up losing it every single time. There's probably one where he was successful, but at at that point, he just over-dribbled it and ended up giving it to the next defender in line. Um, Sifu... Was pretty decent, I guess, in the second half. Um, you could tell that America had a little bit more uh, attack in the first half. Uh, but then again, we were playing with most of our attacking players on the bench. And then we finally subbed in Vela on Bale. But like I said, it looked like they weren't really trying too hard. Although you can instantly tell the impact that they have in terms of creativity because we got a lot of more tricky plays going forward, but honestly, I would say that LFC probably had a better first half than second half. Um, in the end, this game ended nil-nil, and it ended up going to penalties. Not that they were playing for a trophy or anything like that, just more like to get a result from the match that wasn't a draw. Uh, and in penalties, it, it was pretty lackluster, if anything. We had McCarthy in goal, as opposed to Kripo, and McCarthy, to give him credit, he was guessing most of it. However, his hands didn't seem strong enough to actually keep any of the balls out. I think there's there was only one that he actually blocked. And as a, as a goalkeeper, as long as you block one, I think that's good enough for you to be a hero. Yeah, he guessed probably like two or three more penalties after that. But as long as he saved one, it's literally up to the rest of the players to just make their shot. I mean, you have a free shot on goal. You might as well make it. Uh, Cheeky Palacios ended up missing the first goal, or the first penalty. It, it was it was pretty weak, and he kind of telegraphed it the whole way, which way he was going to kick. I think he was hoping that, what's um, his name, Oscar Jimenez, wasn't going to jump the way that Cheeky was looking, but of course he did, and he blocked it. I think, I mean, as long as... He cared more about positioning than he did. Power, I think, and penalties. As long as you hit it with power and some direction, it'll be really hard for the goalie to actually block it. Um, And pretty much after that, it was Vela. Perfect penalty, right corner. I think they should have started off with him just to get the flow going. Um, And then, you know, I think it was Ilya and then Bale. And then uh, in the fourth penalty, it was Sifu who ended up just skying it over the goal. And that ended up costing us a match. But like I said, it's a friendly and LAFC definitely played it like it was a friendly. The only thing I would say about this game was that I probably wish that given that they were playing it like a friendly that Chirundula would have put in some of our Academy players because I've been dying to see players like Tony Leone or um, uh, Christian Torres just break into the team because not since 20, I want to say 2020 did we actually get an Academy player to play for the team. <laughs> But yeah, that was pretty much the Leeds Cup Showcase in a nutshell. And there's not much more to say about that, honestly. Uh, next, let's talk about the last couple of matches. So uh, in MLS, there was some more matches. I didn't really get the chance to watch it mostly because I was focusing on the Leeds Cup Showcase. So, Charlotte ended up playing DC. I think I predicted DC to win this now that Rooney was in charge. But, of course, maybe that was just, uh, you know, commentator's curse. Because uh, Charlotte ended up winning 3-0. Um, so, you know, looks like the Rooney magic still needs some time to fully develop. Columbus ended up playing against Montreal. I think I said Columbus was going to win this with the Chicho Hernandez goal. But... Uh, it was Lucas Salaraghan who ended up scoring. However, Montreal ended up taking all three points with a 2-1 win. Uh, uh, Portland ended up playing Nashville. I think these teams seem very similar. And I, I think I mentioned that in the last podcast. Uh, but pretty much they just provided a 1-1 draw. Not a lot of action there. And then San Jose playing against Miami it was another similar, similar game where these two teams are basically... The same, except on different conferences. But uh, Miami actually actually ended up winning that match 1-0. Um, but yeah, that's pretty much the midweek MLS action. Tomorrow, I mean, Vancouver and Houston are going to play against each other. Uh, might as well give a preview while I'm at it. So, uh, Vancouver, Houston, I think... Well, Houston just got thrashed 6-0 against Philly last weekend. Um, and Vancouver... I think has been doing a lot better than we would expect them to. So they're both. It's a Western Conference game. I mean, Vancouver and Houston are right next to each other in terms of positioning, with only Vancouver having two extra points. I'm gonna go ahead and give it to Vancouver since they're playing at home. So I'm gonna go with a two-one win for Vancouver. Um, next on Saturday at 12 p.m. We got Atlanta for Seattle. Uh, this should be a good game. Seattle um, ended up winning midweek against Dallas, but they ended up losing against LAFC uh, on Friday last week. Atlanta, on the other hand, uh, I did not I do not remember who they played against. Uh, they ended up playing against sh- sh- Chicago and they drew 0 0. Now, I still think that. <laughs> Gonzalo Pineda hasn't been able to get the team back to how Tata Martino had them playing. And I don't know. This is going to be a tricky match. I think considering how Seattle has been so inconsistent lately, I mean, they they need to get points. And they don't have a lot of games to do it. But Atlanta as well, they haven't been doing so great either. I mean, Seattle is literally on the cusp of the playoffs in seventh place. Tied with Portland in eighth. So if they lose, they're out of the playoffs. Uh, Atlanta is sitting all the way in twelfth, but they're only four points out. I think I'm just going to go with a draw. I'm going to go with a 1 1 draw of Atlanta versus Seattle. I cannot for the life of me decide who's going to be better. Uh, Charlotte versus Chicago. Chicago's been pretty decent lately. I mean, there's been a couple of draws, a couple of wins, uh, not as many losses. And Charlotte, I think they're starting to pick up form a little bit again as well. I'm going to go with Charlotte, though, because I think they got a little bit more attacking talent than Chicago does at the moment. Watch that bite me. <laughs> but, yeah, at 4 p.m., Charlotte for Chicago. I'm going to go with a 2-0 win versus Chicago. Then we got Cincinnati versus Philadelphia. I mean, Philadelphia isn't as red-hot form as you can get. Cincinnati ended up tying... Um, against Miami last weekend, the 4-4 match, that was uh, pretty amazing to watch. However, I don't think they're gonna get four goals against Philadelphia, so I'm gonna go with a 4-2 win for Philly. Um, Next, we got Columbus versus NYC. I mean, Columbus, I thought they were gonna do good against Montreal, but they ended up losing. So I'm gonna go for NYCFC on this one, just a normal 2-0 win. Uh, then we got D.C. United versus the Red Bulls. I mean, they are opposite ends of the table as it stands in the Eastern Conference. So, on paper, I think it should just go to the Red Bulls, which I'm going to agree with. So, I'm going to go with uh, a 3-1 win for New York Red Bulls. Uh, Montreal versus Miami. I mean, on paper, Montreal should be winning this. But Miami has had a little uptick in form lately. And they got Higuain scoring again. I think I'm going to go for the upset on this one and get Miami the win. Uh, let's go with... Uh, uh, I don't think they can defend good enough. So a 2-1 win for Miami with an Higuain goal. Give me extra points if that comes true. Alright, then we got Orlando versus New England. Now, uh, currently New England is in 11th place. Two points out of the playoffs. And Orlando is in 5th. On paper, Orlando should be winning this. But... They're not as a consistent team as you'd expect them to be. They've definitely had some surprising losses, including, I think, a loss against Chicago. Um, I'm going to go for the upset for New England to beat Orlando. However, they just got rid of Sebastian Legette, and Josie Altador got sent to Puebla. Uh, I think I'll just go for New England anyway. I'm gonna go with a 2-1 win where they barely scrape it out in the last minutes. Alright, we got Nashville versus Toronto. Now Toronto ended up losing again. Um even with their star signings. Uh either they lost or draw. I don't remember off the top of my head, but they are six points off of the playoffs. And Nashville is currently in sixth. So I'm going to go with Nashville to win this one, also considering that they're playing at home. Yes, Bernadeschi and Insigne are amazing additions to the team. But, I mean, that's two positions in a team of 11, right? You need at least the rest of the team to pick up form at somewhat. So I'm going to go with a Nashville win. I think it's going to be a 1-0 win for Nashville. All right, then we got Kansas City versus the Galaxy. Considering that the Galaxy just beat Chivas and, you know, it was an amazing sold-out game at SoFi Stadium. Kansas City, obviously, still struggling as usual, sitting uh, at the bottom of the Western Conference. Uh, I think the Galaxy is going to take this one, honestly. I'm going to go with a 2-0 win for the Galaxy. Then we got Austin versus San Jose. This is at 6 p.m., and I think I'm going to go with Austin just, you know, for obvious reasons. they got a lot of attacking talent. San Jose couldn't do the job against Miami. So Austin is definitely way better than Miami. I'm going to go with probably a 3-1 win for Austin. Uh, Colorado versus Minnesota. Uh, this one seems pretty even to me uh, in terms of the standings. Minnesota's in third, and Colorado's in tenth, but dang, I'm actually surprised that Minnesota's in third. I don't think they should be at that level. Uh, but to be fair, there is three points separating third and seventh. So I'm going to give it... Uh, I'm going to call this a draw. It's just screaming a draw for me. So I'm going to go a 2-2 draw for Colorado versus Minnesota. Then we got uh, Portland versus Dallas at 7.30 p.m. Uh, Portland, uh, I think I'm going to give this to Dallas to bounce back, although they will be playing in Portland. Uh, I'm going to go with a 2-1 win for Dallas against Portland. And then we're going to finish this off with a quick little LAFC versus Ralph Salt Lake preview. This is at 7 p.m. on Saturday. All right, I think I'm going to go, I mean, obviously I always go for LAFC. (laughs) Because I'm totally unbiased. And, yeah, I think this should be a 2-0 win minimum for LAFC. I know Ralph Salt Lake are a decent team. They've had some dangerous attackers recently. We also just sold Danny Masovsky to Ralph Salt Lake. I wonder if he's going to be getting some game time here. But, uh, considering how we're playing, I think, I'm hoping that uh, Trudendola actually starts bail for once unless i don't remember if rio tinto stadium has artificial turf on it or not but if it has real grass uh, i think they should start bail and give killini a full match to see how he does but uh yeah i think this should be a 2 will win uh I don't think LFC is too bothered about the loss, considering it was lost in penalties. I mean, it doesn't really mean anything. We care more about a match like this. I mean, this match is still way more important than the one against America. So, yeah, I, I'm i going to go with LFC on this one, obviously. All right, next. So, the Premier League actually starts tomorrow. I'm recording this on a Thursday. And I've done my Premier League predictions for how the season's going to go. But I'm going to add a big asterisk here because the transfer season hasn't ended yet. And that ends, obviously, at the end of the month in August. So there's still plenty of time to make more signings, although not... I mean, they've run out of time to incorporate them at this point. So I'm going to go from the bottom and try to work my way back up so starting in the relegation zone i have uh in the 20th position let me try i think i have southampton i think i'm gonna set that in although considering that relegated team or teams that just got promoted are probably gonna be um in that last spot I'm willing to accept that. It's probably <laughs> it's probably more likely going to be one of the newly promoted teams. But I'm going to go with Southampton to be uh, 20th position. Considering that the signings that they made have not been so great. I mean, uh, currently, so in terms of transfers coming in, they had Armo Belakotchap. Romeo Lavia, Joe Aribo, Gavin Buzunu, Mateus Lise, Sekou Mara from Bordeaux. Uh, Honestly, I do not know who any of those players are. In terms of players going out, I mean, they had Fraser Forster leave Tottenham on a free. Um, And honestly, that's the main one. Shane Long goes to Reading on a free, but I don't know. I don't think he's been there that long. But to be fair, they haven't made any decent signings. They have played a decent amount, including two players from Man City and uh, Romo Olavia and Kevin Buzunu for a total of $27 million across both, and then Joe Aribo from Rangers. From what I've heard, Joe Aribo is probably the best player out of the bunch that they've signed. But, I mean, we'll, we're still waiting to see that. So, in terms of Southampton, they have not made a lot of signings, and I'm worried for them. I'm hoping they have, like, a decent you know, one more signing before the window closes. But if that doesn't change, I'm gonna keep them in the 20th position. All right. Next up, I have Bournemouth listed in 19th. Now, the main reason is pretty similar to Southampton. They've of the three promoted teams, I think they've made the least amount of signings. Um, let me read off the signings here. So you have, uh they've had three signings so you got Marcus tavernier Joe Rothwell from Blackburn and then Ryan Fredericks from West Ham I think the most prolific of them is Ryan Fredericks but then again he was a player from West Ham who was not playing that often yes he does have Premier League experience but if you couldn't start at West Ham I don't I don't know how many favors he's gonna do you as a promoted team um in terms of out it's just pretty much they got rid of some players that didn't play Uh, But besides that, no major signings. I don't know how much of a coach, uh, how well of a coach, I believe it's... uh, I believe was it Scott Parker? Yes. Uh, I don't know how good of a coach he is. Clearly he's talented enough to bring up teams from the Championship to the Premier League, as he did it with Fulham, I believe. uh, The last time Fulham were up. But... Yeah, it's not looking too good for Bournemouth. I, I, I can't say that I believe in their transfers. And bringing up a championship team to the Premier League without any significant signings has definitely shown in the past. Or there's plenty of cases in the past where that pretty much just guarantees you getting relegated. Alright, in the last relegation spot, I have Fulham. Um, As coming back in, or being the last name being relegated uh obviously fulham has that uh, i don't know if i would call it a stereotype but they're known to be one of those teams along with um what's its name oh god i can't believe i forgot the name of the team green and yellow the canaries I know it starts on the man. Norwich. How could I forget Norwich? Right. Uh, yeah. Fulham and Norwich, I think, are the two main teams that are known to just bounce up and down and up and down um, in the Premier League. So... Uh, let me read the signings for Fulham so far. They could, they still have time to make a couple of signings, but they brought in Bert Leno, which is decent from Arsenal. Uh, for It's actually a permanent signing for 8 mil. Uh, they brought in João Polinha from Sporting Lisbon. This looks to be their marquee signing uh, for, for 20 mil. Uh, then you got Andreas Pereira from Manchester United for 10 million. I'm surprised that Manchester United was able to get 10 million out of Fulham for that. Um, hopefully performs, but that hasn't been the case um, since he's played at Manchester United. The only time Andres Pereira has performed is in preseason. After that, he doesn't really do much of anything. And the rest of the players, I mean, you got Christian Sekularak, Menar Solomon from Shakhtar Donetsk, and Kevin Imbabo from Wolfsburg. Not great players, especially if they're coming from outside of the Premier League. So if Andres Pereira doesn't perform, which is highly likely, I think they got a chance to go back down, considering that they only have one more key signing in the outfield and their other signing is Brent Leno, who's in goal. I mean, you can do a lot as a goalie, but you need to score goals to win games. Uh, in terms of out, they had Fabio, Fabio Carvalho actually going to Liverpool officially. I remember that the last time that Fulham was up, um, it was pretty close. Or either maybe it was last season when they got relegated, but Fabio Carvalho was already really close to going to Liverpool back then, but it didn't ended up happening. Um, they've also lost uh, they lost a couple of players. I mean, they they've lost a decent amount of players, but the main ones Fabio Carvalho and I think John Michael Seri, the whole city, and Andre Frank Zambo Guisa to Napoli. But yeah, I don't think Fulham signings are enough to keep them into the Premier League. I would like if they were, because I think they're one of those teams that should be there just based on name, but they haven't fortunately backed that up with their performances. All right, let's move on to the team in last place outside the relegation zone. Uh, for this one, I'm going to go with Everton just based on the fact that they ended up losing to Minnesota United. Uh, I mean, obviously, it's much more than that. I consider their signings as well. And in terms of the transfer window, sure, they've brought in a couple of people, but they've also lost their most important player. So they brought in Ruben Binagre, um, who has some history with Wolves and is a decent player. But, you know, I wouldn't call that a marquee signing. You got James Tarkovsky from Burnley, a decent defender. I know there's a couple of teams that wanted him for a while. I think Newcastle wanted him last year. But he arrives from Burnley on a free, given that they got, you know, relegated. And Dwight McNeil also joins from Burnley. But I mean, you got two players from a relegated team that are coming into your lineup who are into a team that almost survived or almost didn't survive relegation. I don't think that's enough to improve because the whole point with signings is that you want them to improve your starting 11. I don't know if this does that but we'll see. In terms of out, they lost Richarlison, and that's a ton of goals there. His Richarlison was easily one of their best players. Sure, they have Dominic Calvert-Lewin on the team, but without Richarlison, I'd say you'd lose half of your tanking talent right there. Um, yeah, on top of that, other players, I mean, they lost Reese Hughes, John Joe Kenny, Chank Tosin, Fabian Delph was released. Uh, pretty much a bunch of players but n- not a lot of like starters pretty much. But yeah, I'm really worried for Everton. I mean, Frank Lampard, he's only had one good season with Derby and that's it. I haven't seen him perform anywhere else. I'm hoping that he's actually as good of a coach as people hype him up to be. But without any decent signings for Everton, I don't think they're going to have enough. I mean, I was really close to putting them in the releg- relegation zone. That might change by the time the transfer window closes, but we'll see. We'll see. I can easily swap them out for probably Fulham. It's really close there. But given how Everton's transfers have been over the last couple of years, uh, the amount of money they spend and the, the so few people that they ship off for high amounts of money, I think they're probably not going to make any new signings. They're probably re- uh, restricted by budget. All right, let's move on to the team in 16th place. I put Wolves. Now, I don't think Wolves is bad enough to be 16th, but I don't think they're good enough to move up. If, if you get what I mean. I think just other teams have improved in the offseason while they haven't really done so much. So if you look at their transfers, they brought in Quangy Chen from Red Bull Leipzig. I believe he was on loan last year, and then he became permanent. Yes. They officially bought him permanently, but he was already there. Uh, then you got Leon Chiwome from AFC Wimbledon. I mean, that's, that's you know, from... He's coming from leagues below into the team. Then you got another... You got Dom Plank from Dorking Wanderers. That just seems like a youth player. And then you got Nathan Collins from Burnley. Like, again, you got a player that got relegated to Burnley last season into your team, it's not really going to improve your lineup, honestly. In terms of out, there's been some decent amount of... There's been some decent uh, movement out. So you got Fabio Silva, who was supposed to be Raul Jimenez's replacement after Jimenez got that head injury, but he hasn't done enough to displace him. So he's going out on loan to Anderlecht. You got Ruben Vinagre, like I mentioned before he ends up going to Everton. Uh, besides that, Roman Saiz, who was an important player, but he left on a free to Besiktas. Uh, Kijana Hover as well, who's going to PSV. Uh, and I think on stats last season, uh, Bruno Lage is a good coach, but Wolves has always struggled with scoring. Raul Jimenez, of course last season was his first season back from the head injury so you know you can't really blame him for struggling to come back to the form that he had and you know i believe it was uh 1920 right 2019 2020 but uh hopefully now that he's got another season under his belt he's a little bit more comfortable he can get back to scoring he's also always been more of an assister cuz his hold the plays decent but Maybe they can bring somebody in to, you know, increase that attacking talent. There's gotta be some Portuguese players somewhere, right? All right, moving up. Um, In 15th place, I got one of the newly promoted teams, Nottingham Forest. So, um, when teams get promoted to the Premier League, there's always one team that goes crazy with the amount of signing players. And this year, it's definitely Nottingham Forest. They've signed 12 players so far, which I think is probably the most. So let me just read off the list. Uh, Orel Mangala from Stuttgart, 12.7 million. You got Taiwo Awani Union Berlin, 17.5 million. Now, all these cash amounts are in British pounds. Uh you got Musa Niacate from Mainz for seventeen mil. You got Nico Williams from Liverpool for seventeen mil. That's a decent signing right there. Uh you got Brandon Aguilera from Alajuelense, but it doesn't say uh doesn't say how much. Julian Biancone from Troyes. You got Omar Richards from Bayern Munich. Uh you got Dean Henderson from Manchester United on loan and I mean, we've seen what Dean Henderson can do with Sheffield United. Sure, he's had a season where he's pretty much been riding the bench at Man United, but if he had anything similar to the Sheffield United form, he's going to be probably the starting goalkeeper, and it's a it's a decent signing considering how hungry he looks to start playing again. You also got Wayne Hennessy from Burnley on a free, Lewis O'Brien from Huddersfield, Harry Tuffalo from Huddersfield, and their marquee signing... Jesse Lingard from Man United on a free. Now Jesse Lingard turned down West Ham who he had a good relationship with before and he's shown that he can play at a good level for West Ham. But yeah, he uh, he rejected West Ham to go to Nottingham Forest. Obviously, I think Nottingham Forest was probably playing is it probably offering him a bunch more money. But we've shown that if you give Jesse Lingard playing time, he's going to perform, especially if you make him your centerpiece. So I think I back him to actually perform this season. Obviously, that's only going to carry Nottingham Forest so far. But Jesse Lingard was actually a good player. Um, He wasn't good enough to break into Manchester United, but definitely for the bottom half of the table, he's, he's really solid. He's a really solid pickup. So I think he's going to do a lot for them. Uh, especially with the amount of pun- money they're paying him because if he doesn't then that'd be such a waste Alright moving up. So we're gonna go to 14th and I have Brentford football club Now Brentford They ended up losing one of their big players in Christian Eriksen. However, that doesn't really affect their position- Positioning on the table. I mean they started off the season without him and he barely came in. I think during the winter All right, let's look at their signings. So They've made a couple of signings here and there, but most of them have been on freeze. So you got Aaron Hickey, who was a Scottish player from Bologna, uh, 18 mil. You got, um, besides that you have Keen Lewis Potter from Hull for 20 mil. And then you got Ben Mee from Burnley on a free. Um, again, Burnley, uh, Ben, me coming from a relegated team, that's I don't think that's enough to improve your lineup. I mean, you have to be a pretty, pretty special player. Um, but yeah, although I think Brentford is good enough to stay up, mostly because of their manager. Uh, I think they have um, they have a lot of, or the environment they have is really good. Their fans are amazing, and their manager is excellent. I believe. Uh, considering it was their first premier league season last season ever and the, the position they finished they never looked like they're in danger of being they're in danger of being relegated so i think they can replicate that again um all right let's move on to the next team so um in the last of the bottom half of the table i got Leeds. now Leeds barely survived the drop last season um i think with with uh, a handful of games to go, they ended up replacing Marcelo Bielsa for Jesse Marsh. And Jesse Marsh ended up doing the American thing and bringing on a lot of American talent. Now, that being said, they also lost two of their best players. So let's read off their signing so far. Tyler Adams from Red Bull Leipzig for 20 mil. Uh... Tyler Adams one of the best up-and-coming US national team players I mean he did amazing when he was at the red when he's at Red Bulls he was doing amazing at Red Bull Leipzig um, so I'm glad he's finally going to be able to get tested in a tough league like the Premier League Brendan Aronson as well coming through the Red Bull system I mean he started he's doing amazing things for Philadelphia uh, ended up getting his move to Red Bull Z- Salzburg and I mean just a year or a year and a half later he's already at Leeds, uh, that cost 24.7 mil. Then they signed Rasmus Christensen from Red Bull Salzburg. They signed Mark Roca from Bayern Munich for 10 mil, and then Luis Sinistera from Feyenoord for 25.4 million. So those are some decent transfers there, and I do believe Brendan Aronson and Tyler Adams are going to bring up the valley. I mean, just given a preseason, I just saw that last highlight where Brandon Aronson get, uh, ended up giving Patrick Banford an amazing outside-of-the-boot assist. Um, basically took out three players with one pass. So I know Brendan Ayrton has a lot going forward, especially when he plays for the national team. He's one of the best players on the pitch. Um, Also, Patrick Banford isn't injured yet. So that's almost like having a new signing, considering that most of last season he was injured. The season before that, He was amazing. He was on my fantasy team. He kept scoring basically every week. I remember there was one match, I forgot against who, but he had three players surrounding him, and he was just able to do the quickest turn and slotted in top bins. He ended up scoring a hat trick in that game. Uh, But in terms of players going out, obviously they lost their two best players in Rafinha and Calvin Phillips. However, they ended up getting 105 mil for them, which is a decent haul if i do say i think they they ended up using that effectively using that to bring in you know about seven players six or seven players that's that's not bad um lester uh uh oh whoops sorry i skipped the team actually i'm gonna reverse this okay i'm gonna have lester i originally had brighton finishing 12th but i think i'm gonna go with leicester that mainly being is that it seems like leicester has some budget issues that they're dealing with at the moment they have not made a single signing whatsoever this season on the opposite end they actually released um some actual long time players of leicester so casper schmeichel is no longer with the team anymore from what I heard, they released him based on his salary, as he was one of the highest-paid players at the club. So he ended up leaving to Nice uh, on an undisclosed fee. But yeah, it's a shame. I think Casper Schmeichel and Lester, it's, they're synonymous with each other, considering that he was there for eleven seasons, and he was one of uh, he was the main goalkeeper during that twenty sixteen uh, title run. So it's a shame to see him leaving, but I guess they needed the money to see if they can bring anybody in. But so far, they haven't sold any, anybody, or they haven't brought in anybody. I've heard rumors that there's um, James Madison wanting to leave for Newcastle. They might sell him off too, just to be able to bring somebody in. But yeah, Brendan Rodgers looks like he's got his work cut out for him, because they have not brought anybody in during this window. And it's if they don't bring anybody in before the transfer window closes, it, it might be a tough season for them. All right, like I mentioned, um, in 11th place, I got Brighton Hove Albion. Uh, I know English fans are all, all about Grand Potter. But uh, I don't think they've made decent signings either. Uh, they've also lost a couple other good players. I mean, you had Yves, Yves Bissouma leaving to Tottenham. You had Leo Ostegard leaving to Napoli. Uh, who else? Besides that, nobody, I know Chelsea are currently in talks with Marco Correa, uh, to join them for about 50 million. But in terms of players that they brought in, they brought in Julio Anciso from Libertad Asuncion, Simon Adingra from, or I mean Simon Adingra from Norziland, and Benicio Baker Bo- Boiti from Porto. But I don't recognize any of those signings. Um, so I don't know how well they're going to do, but Grand Potter's proved to be an amazing man-manager given that Bryden hasn't had the most expensive of squads, but he can get a lot out of them by having them play in a system. So I think he's good enough to keep them up and good enough to have them in 11th place. All right. in uh, I feel like I numbered this wrong. Okay, sounds good. Oh, I forgot a team, that's why. Whoops. Actually, perfect timing. Uh, I forgot to place Aston Villa in my chart, my bad. But, yes, yeah, so, 12, 11, 10th place, I got Aston Villa. Now, Aston Villa, um... They got Stevie G at the reins, obviously. They ended up making the Philip Coutinho deal permanent from Barcelona for 17 mil. What a bargain, considering that Barcelona probably played 10 times as much. Uh, they got Diego Carlos from Sevilla for 26 million. They also got Bubacar Camaro from Marseille for free. And the rest of the players they've got are just, you know, free year loaned. Um, in terms of out, they lost Carney Chukwameca, took Chelsea for 20 million. They've lost Matt Target at Newcastle for 15. They've sent out Trezegate at Trabzonspor. Spore. Um, that's the main... Those are the main losses in terms of Astonville, so I think they're able to keep a good core. Um, but yeah, they've, they've had some decent players come in. Um, I think this is just mainly based off of how Stevie G and Steven Gerrard uh, manages, so I think... They're good enough to stay, especially with Felipe Coutinho, I mean, you got a main creative source there. Uh, They're good enough to stay in 10th place. Uh, In 9th, I have Crystal Palace, mostly because the, the way that Patrick Vieira has had them playing last season. Sure, they lost Connor Gallagher, but I think that's more to do with Patrick Vieira's management of turning Crystal Palace around. They're a lot more threatening as a team, I think. That they can do a lot. Let's look at their signings so far. Okay. So in terms of players coming in, they've brought in Chris Richards from Bayern Munich, the American. I know he's from FC Dallas, and we ended up um, sending him on trial to Bayern Munich, right? Or, I mean, we. I just mean American, in general. Um, so, yeah. I'm excited to see how he's going to play, considering I haven't had a lot of time to see him in Bayern Munich. Um... But he's definitely going to get a lot more chances at Crystal Palace. Uh, they brought in Malcolm Ebiowe from Derby, Sam Johnstone from West Brom, and Chick DeCore from Lens for 21 mil. Uh, in terms of players going out, it doesn't look like they have anybody notable leaving. Besides Connor Gallagher, but he was just on loan anyway. So I think, you know... With those players that they brought in, I think with Patrick Vieira, you know, having one more season in charge to implement a system, I think they're going to be good enough to be tenth place or ninth place. I mean, Um, in terms of eighth, I have Newcastle United. Obviously, they got taken over last season, um, and they're now ten times more rich than Man City. Although they're going to have to do some financial acrobatics to be able to put all that wealth to use. So far, they've been tempting a lot of players with the newfound money that they have. So, obviously, I've already mentioned before that they have, they're have they rumored to be going after James Madison, and James Madison seems to be enticed by the opportunity. Uh, in terms of signings, it looks like they cleared out a lot of their dead weight from um, the championship teams and the relegation-threatened teams that they had uh, the last couple of seasons. So, they brought in Matt Target, officially from Aston Villa. I believe he went on loan um, in the second half of the season to Newcastle. They brought in Nick Pope, a solid goalkeeping acquisition from Burnley. I would say, in terms of players from Burnley, Nick Pope is probably one of the top of the list in terms of actually increasing the quality that you have. They have brought they've brought in, in uh, Sven Botman from Lille for 35 mil. That's a really, really good signing. Uh, I know a lot of teams are after Sven Botman. But yeah, um, that's gonna really increase their defense in uh, at center back. So they should be a lot uh, more sturdy at the back. In terms of players they released, I mean they sent Jeff Hendrick on loan to Reading. They finally got rid of Dwight Gale, who seems to have been there forever. Uh, Kieran Clark has left the Sheffield United. So yeah, I think they made some decent acquisitions and I don't think they're close to being done for the amount of money they can spend now. I think I wouldn't be surprised if we saw at least one or two more signings before the end of the transfer window. All right, we're moving into the European positions. So in seventh place, I have West Ham United. Um, obviously, David Moyes is doing amazing things at, at the club. Um, he's definitely getting the most out of the players and having them performing at the top of the level. It's a shame that they couldn't get Jesse Lingard or couldn't offer him enough money to um, entice Jesse Lingard to come to the club because I think he would have been a really good acquisition for them. But regardless, they still made some decent signings. So they've officially bought Alphonse Areola from PSG for $10.5 million. Uh, they've also signed new striker and Gianluca Scamacca from Sassuolo for thirty five point five million. I mean that obviously is one of their marquee signings, as well as Nayef Aguerd from Rennes for thirty mil. Um, they've also signed Flynn Downs from Swansea and Patrick Kelly from Coleraine. Uh, in terms of players going out, Mark Noble obviously, I think he retired. <laughs> uh, they've let go of uh, well. Bienko left on a free Fredricks ended up going to Bournemouth on a free and Sonny Perkins goes to Leeds on a free. but to be honest, all those a lot of those players weren't players who were really starting in the team um, In terms of Gianluca Scamacca, I'm interesting to see how he does. Um, obviously you got Miguel Antonio still there and if anything he's been one of the top performing strikers in the league especially the last couple of seasons so he always has goals in him. I'm interested to see how June lucas Kamaka is going to perform given that. So, is he going to be one of those strikers that hits the ground running or is he going to be one of those that takes a while to adapt and then finally gets good or he could just be, um, you know, one of the flops that never ends up performing whatsoever. All right, moving up. So, in 6th place in the Europa League spot, well actually technically I think 6th place might also be Um, the conference league, not sure. Uh, I have Chelsea. So Chelsea has, has had some decent transfers, but I don't know. It looks like Tuchel was very frustrated with the preseason, how it's going. They've also lost a lot in terms of defense. So Sterling, uh, one of the main signings for Man City ended up arriving from Man City uh right (laughs) one of their key signings for chelsea from man city 47.5 million they also got kaladu kulubali a great defensive addition for napoli for 33 million i think that's a bargain but it's also because he was on the last year of his contract they also brought in uh carney chukwameka Aston villa 20 mil but i think that's more of a youth signing they're planning for the future. But uh, most of the transfer targets that Chelsea has been going for have been signed by Barcelona. I mean, you got Jules Koundé. Um, Who else did you end up going? Uh, I heard that they're after Frankie de Jong now at the moment. Who doesn't want to leave whatsoever? Uh, They lost Andres Christensen to Barcelona. Well, I mean, in terms of players going out, Romelu Lukaku, utter failure, ended up going back to Inter Milan on a loan. Uh, Antonio Rudiger goes to Real Madrid on a free. Um, I mean, they released any drink water. I think they still need a lot more signings to get back to the level that they used to be at. But ever since they won the Champions League, it seems like their form has been getting worse. So, obviously... Especially in the top six, a lot of positions can change. But for now, I'm going to put Chelsea in the sixth spot. A lot of people are probably going to call me crazy for that. But, yeah, whatever. Uh, then we got Arsenal in fifth. Now, Arsenal looks very much improved from last season. Especially uh, with the signings that they made. They finally have a decent striker who looks happy to be there. I think the keyword there being happy to be there... <laughs> Um, in terms of the players that they brought in. I mean, Gabriel Jesus, like I just said. Man City, 45 mil. In preseason, he's been lining it up. He's been scoring goals for fun. I think he had a hat trick in the last game of the preseason. You got Marquinhos from Sao Paulo. You got Matt Turner from New England Revolution. Now, a lot of um, British fans of Arsenal might not know Matt Turner that well, but obviously me, who follows the MLS, I'm pretty... Uh, familiar with Matt Turner, especially for the national team. Very, very good goalkeeper. I wouldn't be surprised if he ended up getting some starts from Aaron Ramsdale and showing what he can do. They also bought in Fabio Vieira from Porto for 34 mil. I think that's a pretty decent signing. I know that a lot of teams wanted him and it's it's exciting. Also, another arrival from Man City, Alexander Sinchenko ended up arriving for 32 mil. That's uh, champion I mean, Premier League winning experience, uh, played with Pep, Is probably really comfortable with Arteta. And it, it could only improve them, just giving his winning mentality. He knows what it takes to win the league. I mean, all these additions definitely look like they improve the team. In terms of players going out, there there was a decent amount. You had Fuller and Balogun, who left to Stad Rams on loan. Burnt Leno went to Fulham for $8 million. Uh, Guendouzi went to Marseille for $10 million, but he wasn't even playing last season. Nuno Tavares went to Marseille on loan. Alexander Lacazette went back to Lyon for free. Um, a lot of other, more like youth players. I mean, Austin Trusty, another uh, American player, went to Birmingham on loan. But, yeah. Uh, Amari Hutchinson, but another youth player, but ended up going to Chelsea for free. But yeah, in terms of the players they brought in, they definitely have improved their squad from what I've seen. So I think that'll be enough, especially considering how they're playing toward the second half of the season, toward the end. I think Arteta was finally getting them flowing. And especially with all the bad blood, most of the bad players out of there, I think Arsenal might finally be on their way up. The only reason I have them on the fifth is because Arsenal also has a tendency to implode halfway through the season, especially with how toxic the fan base is. So we'll see how they do. But for now, I have them fifth. They can easily be in the top four as well, I think. Um, in fourth place, a bit optimistic, but I have, you know, my favorite Premier League club, which is Man United. Now, the transfer season hasn't gone that great, considering the whole transfer saga that they have with Frankie de Jong, as well as the Cristiano Ronaldo show. Um, I think if we are able to clear those up before the transfer window ends, uh, it, it would just be a positive thing. Uh, Ronaldo, I I always wanted him to stay. But if he doesn't want to stay, you're not going to get anything good out of him. Obviously, he's going to score goals, but why would you want upset an upset Ronaldo playing for your team who doesn't want to be there and who probably is not going to want to play Europa League whatsoever? So uh, I think we should just find out a way to get rid of him, whether that's on loan or, you know, release him from his contract, but I don't think he should be at the club. Unless, you know, he actually does want to play and maybe the media is the one that's creating all this drama. Um, In terms of that, Frankie de Jong, I think they should have just went for a different player a long time ago. We're really holding out till the end of the season, or to the end of the transfer window, to see if we can sign Frankie de Jong, who's publicly shown that he does not want to go to Man United. But... Yeah, I think we need to sign a striker before the transfer window closes. If we sign the striker, I think it's a in st- spot in the top four. The main reason I have us in the top four because I highly rate Eric Ten Hag as manager. If you would have asked me uh, back when Ollie was a manager uh, who my favorite would have been, it would have been Eric Ten Hag. And I'm glad that they ended up going that route instead of Mauricio Pochettino because Eric Ten Hag seems to be you know one of those professor type managers where he analyzes everything he pays attention to every little detail he's very organized he cares a lot about you know working as a team and he's very strict against those players who don't want to follow his rules and that's especially what manchester united have needed the last couple of seasons since alex ferguson left because there's been a lot of on field and out the field off of the field drama and i think a coach like Eric Ten Hogg is going to greatly reduce that and maybe bring back the standard of Manchester United of old. But for now, I have them in fourth. I would love to see them in third or challenging for the title, but honestly, I think we're one season away from doing that if everything goes positively. Um, In third place, I have Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, So I think Tottenham Hotspur or the Spurs have been really good in the offseason in terms of the signings that they made. They've brought in a lot of decent players. I mean obviously they still have Harry Kane. Who knows if he still wants to leave. But they also brought in Richarlison from Everton which I think is a really really good signing considering how aggressive he is in terms of wanting to score goals and all that. He also brings a lot of that um, kind of the trolling kind of player that will probably instigate a lot of the opposing team's players to get them yellow cards. I mean, they brought in uh, Ivan Perisic on a free from Inter Milan. Yeah, he's a little bit older, but Antonio Conte knows how to get the best out of him. Fraser Forster from Southampton, really good backup goalkeeper. Uh, I don't think they'd be upset about that. Yves Basuma, one of the best players from Brighton. Sure, he has the... He has the criminal charges against him, I think, still floating around. Who knows how that's going to be resolved. But in terms of play, he was one of the bright spots at Brighton, no pun intended. Uh, Obviously mentioned Richarlison. Uh, A discreet signing was Clement Longlet from Barcelona on loan. Um, I think that's going to be a decent defensive addition, considering that they haven't really had um, a good center-back pairing since um, Alderweireld and Ritongan have left. And they also signed Jed Spence, uh, a young promising player from Middlesbrough for 20 mil. Turns of players going out. They sent out Joe Rondon on loan to Renz. Steven Bergwine went to Ajax for 26 million. I think that's uh, they got a decent amount of money for that. Uh, and Cameron Carter Vickers finally ended up leaving the Celtic. Besides that, just a bunch of, you know, youth players and stuff like that. But Tottenham, really good transfer window so far. I don't know if they're going to plan on bringing in more, but it looks like they backed up Antonio Conte in bringing in a lot of players. And obviously, we know that he's a really good manager. I mean, he's already won the league with Chelsea when they were doing terrible the season before. So, Antonio Conte, definitely one of the managers that can get a lot of players that he currently has, and especially a lot out of players that he's requested when he is backed in the market. Uh, So, time for the final two. So, officially, in second place, I have Manchester City. So, I think Man City is going to finish second. And the main reason being, obviously, they're good. Obviously, Liverpool and Man City are going to compete till the end. It probably might be another one of those seasons. But, I think the signing of Erlen Haaland is going to influence a lot here. Obviously, Erling Holland is a great improvement from the strikers that they had. Um, but, Man City isn't a team that knows how to play with the number nine. They've played with false tens the whole time. I mean, last season, they won it without even playing strikers. They just play false tens all the way and get results that way. So, obviously, Kevin De Bruyne can get service to Erwin ha- uh, Erling Holland And... That's going to help him a lot because with service, I mean, he can put those chances away. He's lethal. He probably scored, I think, he averages a goal a game. But the Premier League is a different beast. Many people have said that, especially in terms of getting past defenders, it's really tough. I don't doubt that Erling Holland could probably score 20 goals a season. But I think in terms of figuring out Man City figuring out how to play with the number nine, it might come with growing pains. And it might lead to a loss in points enough so that Liverpool can take the title. They've also bought in Calvin Phillips from Leeds United for 50 mil. And that's the cover for Nandinho who left. But I don't know if that's enough to make them, you know... Currently, they are the reigning champions. And Grealish hasn't really reached his potential. Foden's firing, but... Yeah, I think... Until they learn how to play with Erling Haaland, it might be Liverpool's title to lose. They've also lost a decent amount of goals with Raheem Sterling leaving, and Gabriel Jesus leaving as well. Now, Jesus didn't always start, but he still provided a decent amount of goals. Zinchenko also ended up leaving to Arsenal, and uh, for the Americans, Zach Steffen left to Middlesbrough alone, so he's gonna be playing in the championship. Oh my god, I didn't talk about Manchester United's players that left. Whoops. Alright, let me let me cut back real quick. Uh Christian Eriksen, Tyrell Macio, Lisandro Martinez, a lot of good signings. Uh, Manchester United ended up getting getting rid of a lot of dead weight. Uh Alex Tellez probably wasn't gonna play because he was third choice um at this point. Uh Paul Pogba ended up winning T. on a free, and he also just got injured. So uh, Juan Mata officially left, ended up Uh, His contract ended up ending. Jesse Lingard released for free. Uh, Mattis left on the free. Cavani left on the free. Lee Grant left on the free. Dean Henderson ended up leaving to Nottingham Forest on loan. And Pereira, uh, they ended up getting 10 mil for him. So a lot of the players who we didn't want are officially gone now, which frees up a lot of space for us to, you know, fill their spots. All right. Liverpool, basically the only remaining team. I have them as the champions. I'm sure Danny's going to like that. But yeah, I think I've been convinced by the Darwin Nunez hype, especially how he played in the Community Shield. Liverpool are, you know, they're always going to perform well. They ended up extending Mo Salah's contract. Yeah, they lost Sadio Mane, but Sadio Mane hasn't been as hot as he's usually been. Uh, Yeah, he had a good season last season, but I remember the 2020-2021 season uh, was probably one of his worst seasons. And, I mean, he wanted to leave, so just let him go. I think Darwin Nunez is an amazing replacement. Also, considering that Liverpool can finally play with a striker, and they've known how to play with a striker because they've been playing with Firmino this whole time, but I think Darwin Nunez is going to be deadlier than that. I think he's taller, he's stronger, and I think he's got more of that fox-in-the-box type of instinct that strikers need. Uh, let's let's look at the signings. I mean, they didn't really bring in that many players, but to be honest, their, their team as it currently stands is already stacked, right? So, I mean, they brought in Calvin Ramsey from Aberdeen for 6.5 mil, Darwin Nunez from Benfica for 85 mil, that was the marquee signing, and Fabio Carvalho from Fulham, I mean, uh, players that left, Nico Williams, Divock Origi, Loris Karius, uh, Salio Mane, Takumi Minamino ended up going to Monaco for 15 mil. But yeah, uh, I think Liverpool's got what it takes to win the season and win the league, uh, especially with Man City. I mean, it's going to be a close race as usual. Maybe it'll be Liverpool's time to win the league by a point, but definitely I don't see their team... Decreasing equality, quality, if anything, they've increased it with the addition of Darwin Nunez. So I think that should be enough for them to win the league. And that's also where I'm going to end the show, because the Premier League starts. Sure, I could go into the breakdown of who I think is going to win. But at this point, it's anybody's guess. It's the first match of the season. Some teams are ready after the preseason. Some teams are definitely not. I'm looking at you, Everton. So we will see. It starts off with Arsenal versus Crystal Palace tomorrow. Um, And that's going to be an exciting game. I won't be able to watch it because I'm going to be at work. But I will watch the highlights. We will discuss that uh, in the next episode. So make sure to join us. Danny should be back by then. So it's not going to be me talking to myself. (laughs) Um, So uh, yes, Premier League... We also talk fantasy I know I think I mentioned in the last podcast that we were gonna talk about the fantasy Premier League but I mean we're already an hour here and I, I kind of don't want to extend it so uh you know what whatever let me let me read off my premier League my fantasy Premier League team all right okay. Let me just sign in here. All right. So, in terms of my strikers, I got Jesus, Gabriel Jesus, because I think he might be an underrated striker, and he's a little bit cheaper. I got Antonio from Man City. Uh, From Man City, from West Ham. Uh, I mean, they're playing against Man City, so I don't know how smart of a choice that is right off the bat. But... It's probably better than having Mitrovic there, who is my sub. Um, in my midfield, I got Salah. Guaranteed goals, I think. I mean, I've had to learn from the last couple of seasons. If you don't have Salah, you're just basically giving up free points. Um, I got Bruno Fernandez. I always have Bruno Fernandez, And it's also because I named my team Bruno reverse card after him. Uh, so... I always have to have Bruno Fernandes. He's my favorite Man United player at the moment. Um, then for Arsenal, I got uh, Smith Rowe in the midfield. And my last remaining midfield player is Jaden Sancho. I think he's going to pop off this season, especially with how they've been playing. He's been one of the better players in preseason. Uh, in terms of defense, I have Alexander-Arnold. Again, with the amount of assists he provides, you're just giving up three points by not having him in there. Reese James from Chelsea... Uh, Connor Cody from Wolves, I think that's just a cheap pickup, and he's been pretty stable, although I probably could have picked somebody better as like a wing-back, or a left-back, right-back, something like that. Uh, and then I got uh, Lisandro Martinez from Man United as my last defender, mostly because I like maxing out my Man United slots, and I gotta at minimum have at least three Man United players in there. Um, and then for my goal, they have Allison. I think probably Liverpool or Man City is going to have the best defense. So, you're Better off having one of the, you know, Allison or Ederson as your goalkeepers. In terms of my bench, I got uh, Matt Turner, the American from Arsenal, as my goalkeeper, my sub goalkeeper. I got Tenganga from Tottenham. I think that's just to make up the points. Uh, then I got Conte from Chelsea. I don't know why he's just so cheap right now. It feels weird that he's that cheap, but I saw that he was available, so he's in my squad. <laughs> Uh, and then they got Mitrovic, who scored 40 goals in the championship. I think as long as they start them, they should be getting something. So, yeah. So, I'm going to have them. Uh, and that's my Paralytic team. Join us in the next episode where We review where we review all the weekend action. Danny's going to be back. It's going to be a lot of fun. So, yeah. Thanks for listening in. Make sure to, you know give us a rating on the podcast i mean you don't have to like it but at least give us a rating at least i know you know somebody's listening (laughs) and yeah so join us in the next episode it's been a pleasure bye